0: Welcome to the EC Podcast. My name is Jonathan Mitchell. Today we continue our five-week series of episodes with messages from our recent Awakening Men's Conference. Today you will hear the third message, which was given by Pastor Gabe Brown of Providence Missionary Baptist Church here in Seymour, Tennessee. In this session, Pastor Gabe challenges us with this truth. If we want to change our culture, it is through the power and preaching of the gospel. Pastor Gabe will unpack attributes of a godly leader, and we trust this message will bless you. Enjoy.
1: Um, It is a tremendous honor of mine to be with you all today. Um, The Apostle Paul said that he was the least of the apostles, and he, of course, said that with much humility. I can say in 100% truth that I'm the least of the pastors here. I wish there was, that. that's a the statement of fact. Uh, I have a great utmost respect for these men. After, And I think this should be encouraging for all of us in here, the fact that we have pastors in this close of proximity of one another that, that takes the Word of God and handles the truth of the Scriptures the way they have. Amen? That should be something we should all be encouraged in. And I'm going to go ahead and say, I hope and pray, Brother Aaron, that this is not the last time we get together. Um, we are in a time right now, uh, there's, we all know there's probably some minor doctrinal issues amongst our churches, but uh, when it comes to the gospel, I hope and pray that we can work together moving forward. Thank you all so much for having me. If you would turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy, we're going to be in chapter 2. The task that was handed unto me today was uh, discussing and preaching on unwavering faithfulness. So I'm going to do my best to ask God to use me to speak to you all to equip the saints of God. And if someone in here within the sound of my voice is not a saint of God or been regenerate, I hope and pray that through the gospel message that today would be that day. And uh, we look forward to what God's going to do. Now, let me, before we even get into this, let me, let me just say this. <clears throat> there are a lot of people, we know we live in a society that it's, we see the direction that it's going. And a whole lot of people, if you were to poll people and say, what's the problem? What do we need to do? You'd hear a lot of different answers to that, even within our churches. I would imagine if you went and Spoke to some of the folks in our church. They would mention, you know, it's our president's fault. Let me remind everybody in here if you'll remember in the scriptures the last Passover celebration that Jesus rode in the first or the the, the uh, first day of the the Passover week, Holy Week, and if you remember, they were Hosanna, Hosanna. They were laying down the palm branches, and and he came in riding on the back of a donkey, and you know he was very popular amongst the people. And the procession ended at the temple gates. He goes back to Bethany. He spends the night with Mary and Martha. Comes back the very next day. And based upon the reception he would have received that first day, you would think he's going to go in and he's going to overthrow the Roman barracks. Because that's what the Jews were looking for in their Messiah. But he goes in to the temple and he cleanses it out. And people don't seem to talk about that as being a miracle and again, you'd have to, to study and look at the Scriptures and study the culture of the times. You've you got to realize that he goes in with, with cords and cleans out. I mean, you, there's probably 70, 80 guards in that temple. Why didn't someone just come and grab him around the back and just escort him out? That, that was a miracle in and of itself. But the point I'm making is this. He didn't go to the Romans. He went to the temple and cleansed it out. Our problem today is our churches. That's our problem. It's not our government. There's always going to be corruption within government. Period. It's within our churches. So I ask this question before we start. What changed you? What changed me? I'm going to go ahead and tell you. It wasn't a Facebook post. I've yet to hear anybody come to me and say, Brother Gabe, let me tell you about my testimony. My testimony is I was a wretched and vile sinner, but one day I was on Facebook. And I scrolled through, and I read this amazing post. I've never heard that. It was the power and the preaching of the gospel that changed me. It changed you. If we want to see change in our culture, in our society, it's going to have to be in and through that. Okay, I just wanted to make sure I said that before we got started. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And we're going to be looking at some verses here. And again, I I would imagine, I believe Brother Aaron can agree with this. This uh, conference is called the Men's Conference. It's the Awakening Conference. But this is really a leadership conference. We need men to step up and be leaders within our churches. I'm going to be talking about that a little bit today. So let's look at some things that the Scriptures say About leadership. Now, you may be saying, Well, Brother Gabe, you're going to be preaching from 2 Timothy. This is a pastoral letter. I'm not a pastor. No, this isn't just for pastors. This is for anybody that's a believer. Anybody that's a believer. Let's look here at the scriptures. The Bible says, By the way, the inspired, inerrant word of God, amen. Thou, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You know, I played sports, many of you in here did as well, I would imagine. I used to umpire and, and I've refereed basketball games. It's so funny hearing instruction coming from the crowds at times and from even coaches. You know, a kid misses a fly ball, and this is the kind of instruction they get from the dugout catch the ball. <laughs> well, yeah, obviously they need to do that, but that's not very good instruction. But when you see someone who's a real teacher, and you know, I hate to admit it, but Alabama's got a very good football team. And when you see, and I, I know I hate to admit that, but it's true. You see their coaches get to their players on the sidelines and coach them up and instruct them. They don't just say, "Hey, catch the ball." Here, you see young Timothy. We know you know I'm a, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, I want to make sure that I don't assume everybody in here is familiar with what's going on here. This is an epistle or a letter written by the apostle Paul to his you know, he is the mentor of young Timothy, who's a timid pastor. And so he's writing this letter. And he's telling them here in verse one listen, my son, that's the type of relationship they had. We're going to go more in depth in that in a moment. He says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. But you'll notice he doesn't just stop there. You know, we, we do that a lot of times. Hey, you know, hey, be strong in your faith, be strong in Christ. This is a very powerful thing right here. It's a very powerful thing. And I, I, like, to, I like to hunt. I don't want to pat myself on the back, but I still hold the record for the largest buck killed in Blount County, just so you know. <laughs> if you come to our wild game supper, it normally is front and center. Uh, I killed it in my freshman year of college at Maryville. And you know something about a gun is you don't just hand it over to a small child and say, hey, go have fun. Go, go shoot this thing. Go do, go do your thing. You know, what you do is you, you teach them. You take a hunter safety course because it's a very dangerous weapon. Well, so is this. And you want to know why we have so many splinter groups today? You want to know why so many people are so loose with the Scriptures? Is because there hasn't been a sense of getting together and discipleship. We're so focused on evangelism, which is a good thing. But the Great Commission, if you read it, you see there's a great emphasis on discipleship as well. So we see here in verse 2, he says, Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, verse 1. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that worth entangle himself with the affairs of the life that he may please him who hath hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. The husbandman, that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Father, Lord, we thank you. I'm thankful for these men. I need I probably need this today more than anybody in this room. And I'm thankful that, and gratefully humbled, that I have been selected to be able to come before this wonderful group of men, to open up your word, to preach. I'm undeserving. I'm a vile and wretched sinner, simply saved by grace. There's nothing special about me. So Lord, today I pray that You are exalted. And as Chris said in the last session, that we get as low as we can. Help us, Lord. Thank You, Lord. We lift You up and it's in Your Son's holy and precious name we do pray. Amen. The Bible has a lot to say about leadership. Again, I would argue that today with this being a men's conference, you could also classify it as a leadership conference. And so... God wants people in the church in positions of leadership. And He wants to make sure that those people are in a position where they are qualified to be in that position and equipped to be in that position. Listen, a church cannot be any more successful than its leaders. And we need to recognize that. We need to recognize the importance of that. In America today, again, if we were to sit here and talk about all the problems in the churches, we wouldn't have nearly enough time. But there's nearly 400,000 churches in America today. Nearly 400,000. We don't need any more churches. Now, I don't mean to say that we shouldn't be striving to plant churches. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is we need more leadership and more discipleship to take place within the church. So what's the standard for a leader? Again, we're going to look at seven of them in our Scripture today. Seven standards. Seven ways. You want to be a leader in your church? I'm not up here saying, hey, be a leader. Thanks. I hope to see you Sunday morning. I'm here to tell you from the authority of God's Word what, how Paul took the young protege Timothy and instilled with him these leadership traits and values. So we're going to look at those. These seven this evening or this afternoon. See, Timothy, as I mentioned earlier, he was one who struggled with confidence. He was one that uh, was failing in his leadership responsibilities. Being a young man, being timid. I would imagine there are many in here that are timid with the gospel. I, I I, I have fallen short of that too. I don't want to sit here and stand in front of you and say I'm a champion of boldness at all times. But I also wonder... Why is it it's so hard for us to share the gospel with the lost and dying world? I, I, it, it, it's mind-boggling to me when, when I, and of course we know why that can happen and why that does happen. We allow we don't get up daily, and like Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and, and die of self." And, and rather than being led by the spirit of God, we are led by the flesh, and the flesh does has no desire uh, at all to have anything to do with the things of God. But we, we many times lack confidence. And today I hope and pray that I not only just equip you and challenge you, but encourage you to go back to whatever church you may come from, whether it be here or at Reformata or Oak City or, or Mount Olive, wherever it is you serve, and maybe other churches. There may be other churches here that I didn't mention, but I hope that be the case. But Timothy's failing in his leadership responsibilities. And we see here Paul point out the things that he needs to do. The first one is this. Going back to verse 1, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. The first one is this. A leader is a teacher. A leader is a teacher. You're supposed to be a leader, Timothy. And why are you so timid? Paul's encouraging him here. He's challenging him here. He's bringing, I would imagine Timothy's dealing with a matter of conviction. Be strong, Timothy. Be a teacher. And you may be here to, you know, you may be say, well, you know, I'm not that great of a teacher. That maybe isn't one of my gifts. Well, the Bible tells us pretty clearly that we are to be discipled and we are to disciple others. And you may be sitting here and thinking, you know what, I don't know a whole lot about the Bible. We'll find somebody who knows less than you. It's not that hard. And I hate to say it that way, but it's true. It's not that hard. <laughs> I mean, I've got some of my church members here, and this is the circle of trust right here, where, where they, wherever they are. Now, I know they're out there somewhere, so whatever said, you know, that whole vague, you know, I say this in love, but there's sometimes I get up in front of my church and I ask questions on Wednesday nights. As we uh, on Sunday mornings, um, I'm a little more topical on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. I'm much more expository, and I'll ask questions as we go verse by verse through books. We've we've went through a number of New Testament books, and sometimes you pastors know how long it can take if you do due diligence to the scriptures. Um, but I'll ask questions, and I'm thinking, why doesn't anybody know the answers to these? Are they just being timid, or do they just not know? And I imagine in many cases, it's they just don't know. And uh, I'm, I'm 42 years old. Chris, a moment ago when he spoke, I was, you know Chris and I, I, I probably know him longer than any of the rest of them, because when I was at Maryville College, I used to go to First Baptist Sevierville for, on Thursday nights. And uh, there was nothing around where I went to, to college as far as college and career. So we would go up there. So I've known him um, probably uh, longer than any of the rest of the pastors here, but have a great and tremendous uh, respect for each and everyone here. But I'm, I'm 42 years old. And I imagine Chris is probably a little younger than that. But um, I shouldn't be the, even though I'm the pastor, that's the office. That I fulfill at the church I'm in. But there should be people within my church that know much more about the scriptures than I do. If you know, we looked at the sanctification process, and you know, well, you're the pastor, you no, 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 no. Uh, well, I, I would know more about the Bible if there's no, there is no today in today's times, there is no excuses for not growing in Christ today. With all the resources, with all the great pastors and all the great commentators we have access to, you can get onto Bible Hub, you can get onto a number of different uh, uh, websites, and you should grow in Christ. That's one thing about being a pastor. Again, I'm going to try to do my best. Uh, It was mentioned about rabbit trails earlier. I don't want to go too far on this, but I do want to mention this. The church today, we shouldn't be looking at neighboring churches or churches across state lines and saying that's the model church. You want to know what the model church is? Acts chapter 2, the early church. You want to know how to model your church? Go to Acts chapter 2, not some mega church. Acts chapter 2, that's, that's where you should go. And so many times we. We lose sight of that. It's it's easy to do. I've done it. Okay, I've done it. Doesn't mean that you can't get a good idea from another church. I'm not, but you know, every church has its own distinct personality. Every church has that. We should, you know, we shouldn't try to be this church. We should be the church in its purest form in Acts chapter two. So going back to our text, I'm off that rabbit trail pretty quickly. He was failing in his leadership, Timothy was. And I don't know where you are as far as leadership, even within your own home but maybe you're failing in your leadership. I hope you learn something from this today. We all can. But we are to teach. Find somebody, like I said, knows less than you. Start Start to pour into them. And you know what? Find somebody who knows more than you and that's not going to be very hard either. Find someone who knows more about the Scriptures and sit down at their feet and listen to them. Learn from them. A leader is a teacher. A leader is a teacher. So Paul's saying, you're supposed to be a leader, Timothy. What's all this being timid? This fearfulness. Listen, be strong in the grace. When we teach, we transmit truth to others. Because sooner or later as you teach others the truth, it's going to reap a harvest in your own life. Secondly, not only do we teach, listen, we produce other teachers, Did you hear what I said. Not only do we teach, we produce teachers. I've used this illustration. I believe it's a, a, a good illustration to deal with and work with. You know, you think about uh, uh, track and field, and when people are running in a track and field event, many times you you see the the relay teams, and they'll have a baton. And they're running and they're running the race, and they get to, to the end, and, and the next person's got their, their arm extended, and that person reaches out and passes that baton off, and then that person takes it and goes. That's a perfect picture of what we're to do. That's a perfect picture of what we're seeing Paul talk about right here. Pass off what you know to the next generation so they can take off and run their race. So Paul is like a relay runner. He knows His time is at hand. He's saying, take the truth. Take the truth. Run with it. And run with joy. Run with joy. We also see in our text, and this is going to sound harsh. It's going to sound harsh, but we see it here in our Scriptures. Look at it with me again. In verse 2, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses... Remember, Paul's talking about how I'm teaching and you teach others. Look at it. Who shall be able? I'm sorry. The same commit thou to what? Faithful men. This sounds harsh, but you just can't. I I only have so many hours in the day. And so do you. We're all busy. I'm very careful about getting in front of my people at church and complaining. And you're probably going to say, well, why are you complaining? I'm getting ready to share with you some things I've dealt with this week. I've dealt with having to get new tires on both sets of our, on both of our vehicles. I've had a septic tank issue. Uh, you know, you find out who your real friends are when you're digging up your sewage. Amen. People, you know, I'll say that in church, and I'll call somebody. I'm like, well, that never goes to their voicemail. That's interesting. You find out who your real friends are. Yeah. I've just been dealing with a great amount of things, but I'm very careful about. Saying in front of my church, you know, I'm bu- everybody's busy. Everybody's busy. Everybody's working long hours. But, but, we can't just spend our time on just anybody. The scripture here tells us faithful men, faithful men, who shall what be able to teach? What the scripture says. That's not Gabe Brown. I know you people are like, well, yeah, we, we should get people, Yeah, we we, listen, if somebody has to back out a couple of times, you know, and it's a good reason, I understand that. But if it's a continuous, habitual thing, I can't make it. I've got this going on. I've, I've, I set up discipleship meetings with people at my church. I've got one, this is a, this is a, uh, I always, give praise and honor to God because He's the only one that deserves it. But there was a a man in our church who got saved at the age of 69 years old. And after he got saved, his wife got saved, his son got saved, his daughter-in-law got saved. And after he got saved, I went to him. His name's David. And I said, David, I said, listen, I'm not saying it has to be me, but you need someone to disciple you. You need someone to pour into you. And he said, I would love for you to do that. You know what? I'm still meeting him with him two years later every week we get together we go through the scriptures we go verse by verse through books we talk about men things and it's awesome to see he's faithful he's now teaching a Sunday school class and that, that's the type of growth we want to see as churches not this flocking seagull stuff oh you don't like how things are going at your church why don't you go ahead and fly with your group of cronies over to my church that's not church growth I may be stepping on toes today, but you know what I've heard? If your toes are getting stepped on, you're standing in the wrong place. That one hurts, doesn't it? I'm I'm, I'm talking to myself more than anybody in here, just so you know. So we can't just spend our time on anybody. They need to be faithful, man. A A leader soon learns that his priority is to find faithful people who have ability It's impossible for us to pour out our lives into every person in our church. I know some of you men in here, your churches are larger than ours. Some of your churches are smaller. But, you know, on a normal Sunday, we're around 200 people. There's no way I, as one person, can pour into 200 people. Even Jesus Himself. I mean, out of the 12. If you've never read 12 Ordinary Men, I highly recommend. It's a great book. You see, even within the 12 men, there were four men that Jesus... Poured into the most. And by the way, listen, I would strongly discourage you from getting involved business wise into a pyramid scheme. I got involved in one in college. I sat and I listened. I'm thinking, man, I'm going to be rich. I'm not going to have to finish my degree. I'm going to be, you know, it was Quickstar, whatever, Amway, whatever they called them back then. And I was going to work my way up the, the, you know, and of course they got my money. And I saw real quick, people didn't even want to talk. I have a hard enough time people wanting to talk with me anyway. They'll just turn and oh, here comes the gate, you know. But when I was in this, nobody wanted to talk to me. I don't blame them. And I got out of it very quickly. And of course, I was supposed to get my money back. I never did. It's a scam. You all know it's a scam. But you know what? When it comes to discipleship, that's exactly what we're doing. It started with Christ. And it worked itself down. And if you can get with other men and disciple them, and they can get with other men and disciple them, all of a sudden, now you see strength in numbers. So we are, again, to produce teachers. We're to teach, to produce teachers. Faithful men, reliable men, trustworthy people who will not handle the Word recklessly. Uh, brother Claude, I love this brother. I feel like I know him. He's going to be doing the next session. I hate that I'm not going to be able to be here. I've got to go from here right to a wedding. But Claude, man, he's he's got some heavy hitters on his podcast. If you don't watch his podcast, I hope you tune into it moving forward. But he and I have had conversations about the things that we've dealt with in his church and my church, with people who handle the text very loosely, who place emphasis on things above Scripture, you know, you have a lot of groups around here. There, uh, there are side ministries that they've made the main ministry. And uh, I-, I point out to you Matthew chapter seven. You know, again, there I love our charismatic brothers. Uh, got some very very good friends that are in that movement, in the Baptist movement, the Methodist movement, different movements all around. But if you remember in Matthew chapter seven. Those who were cast into the lake of fire. And the Lord says, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. If you remember, they said, Well, didn't I prophesy? Didn't I work miracles? You know, they, they, mentioned, they never mentioned, Didn't I preach the gospel? It was all these. So again, we need to make sure that we pour into reliable, trustworthy people. Again, that's not an attack on any. Listen, I I did not say that as an attack on any denomination, because today we come together. uh, But again, just be careful is, is what I'm saying. So, reliable, trustworthy people who handle the truth and don't compromise it. I only have a certain amount of time in my life. So do you. Don't waste it. We need to act with a sense of urgency. seems like yesterday I was getting my license and driving to the Alcoa Springbrook pool thinking I was big stuff. Here I am, 42, all blank again and my kids will be grown and married off. It goes fast. We need to spend our time pouring in to others. But that starts in our homes. Amen? Amen. Let's look at verse 3. Verse 3, we see another picture of a leader. Thou therefore endured hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Thirdly, we see Paul tell young Timothy, listen, be strong in the faith. Be a teacher. Produce other teachers. Be a soldier. Be a soldier. A leader is a soldier. A leader is a soldier. This is a very practical message today. I love this text because the outline is pretty much right here in the text for us. We don't have to really go around digging too much here. It's right here. A leader is a soldier. The implication here is that we're in a battle. Do you realize we're in a battle? We're in a battle. We're in an invincible battle. We're in a spiritual battle, and it's not easy. And it's not cool. I get so frustrated with this pragmatic approach now to church that everything's got to be cool. I remember when I was growing up and youth pastors would come in and and listen, I, I do believe in relationships and trying to reach people where they are and all that. But this idea that church is cool, it's not cool. We're going to be celebrating, you know, this Sunday we're going to be honoring our veterans. Could you imagine, If I don't know this brother right here, but he maybe he served in a military branch or sometime he's a veteran. Now, you know, Hey, I bet you when you were in that war, I bet that was really cool, wasn't it? I bet you when you saw all those men that were getting shot and killed in Vietnam or whatever war you served in, I bet that was really cool. You're, you're never going to hear a veteran talk about war being cool. We're in a spiritual battle. It's not cool that our brothers and sisters in other countries are getting their heads chopped off. It's serious. And we need to handle it in a serious manner. You want to be a leader within your home? It's a serious matter. A serious matter. And when I say life and death, I may not be talking about physical life, I'm talking about spiritual life and death. A leader is a soldier. It isn't easy, it's war. Endure the hardship, brothers. You know, I loved, I'm going to go ahead and tell you one of my favorite parts. You know, I don't know how much you'll walk away remembering what I said, but I know one thing I'm going to walk away remembering all these voices that were raised up during the singing and the acoustics from this building, that was such a blessing. I was blessed by that alone. I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that helps us to endure the hardships when we leave the church and we go out as sheep amongst the wolves and we're getting beat up left and right in this invincible battle. You know, you heard that saying, You know, I got punched and I didn't even see where it came from. Well, that's literally the case in this spiritual battle. We can't see it. We can't see it. It's invisible. But endure the hardship. Suffer hardships, brother, as a good soldier in Christ Jesus. We're in this together. Amen? You may, be, you may go to one of the other churches, but we're in this together. I remember I went to Ecuador. I've been to South America a number of times on mission trips. I've been to Europe and different places. My little brother is an IMB missionary in London, so it, within my family, we and my church, we greatly believe in missions. And when we went to Ecuador, there was a, a little man. He was—I felt like I was Andre the Giant in Ecuador. I'd walk around and like be patting people on the head. They're real little <laughs> over there. Yeah, and uh, there was a, a guy named Nepito... Napito and Napito, they they wear these um, I don't know what kind of hats you call them, but they really dress up nice and they got all of them just about have ponytails that go down down to their back and and um, I feel like if my, right now my hair I need a haircut I'm feeling like my hair too long now so I didn't have a whole lot of in common with Napito he had a long, long, much longer hair we didn't speak the same language he likes soccer I apologize if you don't if you love soccer I don't like soccer. I just can't get into soccer. It's not, ex- but again, I may like things that you don't. So, but he likes soccer. We have, but you know what we do have in common? And you know why we are such good friends is because he's a brother in Christ. And when we endure hardships, we can relate in that. So I just want to encourage you. Yes, it's hard. So, this easy believism that's being taught from many pulpits today, listen. I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, this is hard stuff. This isn't easy. It isn't easy. I remember when I first got called into the ministry, my pastor sat me down and he said, Gabe, I, I wish I could tell you that I'm, I'm happy for you and excited for you, but you, know, you really need to think about what you're doing. And I, I, was, I was kind of discouraged. I was like, we were in, uh, I was with you guys at Laguna Beach. Back in 2001, First Baptist of and I got the call to go into the ministry and answered the call. I go back, I'm excited. Tell my, and then He sits down and he tells me that. I'm like, man, what in the world? But now I understand what he was doing. He was, tell, he was telling me, listen, this is hard. You think going into, uh, into the faith is hard? Going into the ministry, man, you're, you're going to be even more under attack. I mean, think about this for a second. If you're on the battlefield, and I've never been in war, but if you were on the battlefield and you saw just some general troops marching and you're a sniper and they're walking across the field, but you see a general out in front of them and you've got an opportunity to shoot. Who are you shooting? You're shooting that general. And that's why you need to be praying for your pastor. That's why your family needs to be praying for you. That's why you are under attack within your own home. Because if Satan can take you down, now the, the the origin of the family crumbles. The women step up and take on roles that they shouldn't be taking on. I know we live in a society, if CNN was here, they'd be interviewing me, they'd be calling me a misogynist. Oh, you're, you're horrible. You, 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 you don't believe that women... Yes, I believe women are just as important as men in, in every aspect, but they have different roles. We're complementarian at my church. We believe that women and men are just as important, but they, we complement each other in different ways. We, we have different roles. Even within the Trinity you see that. Who's the authority within the Trinity? God the Father. Does that mean that the Spirit of God or the Son of God is any less or more important? No. They have different roles. So we need to recognize that within our homes. Endure the hardship. Suffer the hardship as a good soldier of Christ. You have to assume a willingness to share the hardships involved in leadership, responsibility in your home and in your church. Again, it's not cool. It's not easy. Let me use this chair right here. I want you to turn with me if you would. To 2 Corinthians keep your place there in 2 Timothy but turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 Look at look at verse 25 familiar passage of scripture Paul here again next time somebody comes across as this all being so cool Let's read this. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I've been in the deep in journeyings often in perils of waters in perils of robbers in perils by my own countrymen in perils by the heathen in perils in the city in perils in the wilderness perils of the sea in perils among false brethren. Verse 27 In weariness, painfulness, and watchings often hungry and thirst in fastings often in cold nakedness Beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of the churches. Let me, let me just share with this. I, I've heard it said that the scar tissue that Paul would have probably developed after those beatings would have been so severe that it probably possibly took him 10-15 to 15 minutes in the morning to get out of bed. So here he is. He's waking up. And he has to stretch... He has to stretch out his back and stretch out his arms because he's been beaten to, st- to just start his day. To just start his day. But you know what? He says, and I know you know this verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that doesn't mean He scored a touchdown. You know what that means? It means that He's in this prison. And he's got joy and peace. And people are looking at him and they're wondering, Paul, how could you endure all of that? How could you go through all the sufferings? And yet you're happy, you're you're joyful, you've got a peace. Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's why. That's why. Turn back to 2 Timothy. Let me see how I'm doing on time here. What time? What what's my session at two fifteen? Right, Aaron. Okay, let me let me rush through this. I, I, sorry. I want to make sure I do my due diligence here. So you're endure that hardship. Be willing to suffer hardship. I, I said here. I, I got my notes. I'm, I'm kind of skipping over some stuff to make sure I uh, get done in my time slot. But uh, this this probably may just be for pastors, but. You know, there's an old saying that in the old days that pastors got swallowed by fish and today preachers, they get nibbled to death by, by minnows. And there's so much truth to that. But it makes you stronger to push through those hardships. So be, be strong in grace. Be strong in the faith. You can't be a part-time soldier in a war. Do we have any veterans in here? Oh, well, that was a good choice I picked. Right? Thank you all. Thank you for your service, and every yeah, amen. Thank you, and everybody in here can agree that's in war. You don't want to go to war with somebody that's going to go out and quit on you in the middle of the war. You don't want somebody out there in battle, brother Kirby. He's he left, and and I'm not norm, I don't normally use illustrations, but uh, I remember the the illustration um, from Saving Private Ryan. Some of you probably remember that movie and there was a, a part in the movie where there was a, a knife fight between a German and an American. And there was a man front, who was an American standing outside. Do you all remember this scene? They were wrestling amongst one another. The German gets on top of him and shoves that knife through his chest cavity and kills him. The whole time, one of his men was standing outside the door and was afraid to come in and help him out. We, you can't be a part-time soldier. you you got to have boldness, display boldness. When you join the army, you have a little bit of time to get rid of your business and whatever you have to take care of in this society. It's gone and you go. And that's the same thing with Christ. You lay aside those things and now you're sold out to Him. And lastly about this, as a soldier, you have to keep one thing in mind. I want to please the Commander-in-Chief. It's pretty stupid to second-guess him, the one who can see the whole battlefield, the one who can see the invisible things. I've shared with my church before that as pastors, we are under-shepherds. There's a chief shepherd. And when you were in ancient Palestine, there would be large flocks that would be entrusted to a number of shepherds, and the under-shepherds would be down in the valleys with the sheep, and you would put the chief shepherd up high so he had a vantage point to see everything else. And what he would do is communicate to the under-shepherds what direction the flock needs to go. So he may be, okay, we're going to move southeast or northeast or southwest. And then the, the under-shepherds would receive... From the chief shepherd, that information, and then within his flock, he would direct those sheep in the direction that the chief shepherd said to go in. And that's what we do. And this is the voice that we hear from. Right here. God's Word. So we need to listen to the one who has the vantage point. Look at verse 5. And if a man also strives for masteries, yet is not crowned, except he strives lawfully, a leader is an athlete. A leader is an athlete. You know, one thing, I, I, I played sports. Many of you in here played sports. One thing, if you're going to be successful in athletics, you've got to be dedicated. You can't go about doing things in a lackluster manner. You know, you go out and you watch some of these people who, who perform on the highest level. It's because they practice six, eight hours a day. That's the point that we're dealing with here. Is that there's a tremendous amount of commitment to being in the body of Christ. It's not suggested, it's commanded. If you're going to be a leader, remember this, within your family, you've got to work. You've got to work at it. I, I, Chris said something earlier I want to segue off of. He said, you know, people say, well, that's just the way I am. Jesus was a, he was a Jew, right? Stereotypically speaking, Jews are not pleasant people. They're just not. That's just the truth. I know we live in a society today, we don't want to hurt people's feelings, but that's the truth. People normally don't look at the neighboring country. Nobody liked the Jews. They're not an easy people group to like, historically. I'm not talking about individually. I'm talking about as a people group. But then, it's amazing that god that's who God chose to send His Son, the Messiah, to be was of that race, of a Jew. Can you imagine if Jesus went out and was just a jerk to everybody? Well, that's just the way my people are. <laughs> no, He didn't do that. He didn't do that. There's a, again, a level of dedication to being a believer, a level of commitment. If you're going to be a leader, you've got to work. You've got to strive for the mastery. Nobody's going to give you everything. Paul says you've got to work for it. And by the way, also in sports, there's rules involved, right? You, you're Probably some of you are going to maybe watch the game here in a little bit and you know there's rules to keep, and we strive in the same way as a believer to strive lawfully. Moving along, real quick, let me go this last one. Fourthly, you gotta be a farmer. This is the last one I'm gonna <laughs> there were some others I was gonna hit on. You gotta be a farmer. You know what? I've never known we got farmers in our church. We got people that work farms, and I've never met a lazy farmer anybody here ever met a lazy farmer? Farmers work hard. They work hard to feed their families and make ends meet. But notice this. Notice this in the Scriptures. Look here at verse 6. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partakers of the fruit. Well, what does that mean? What's that mean right there? Here's what it means. The only thing that keeps a farmer working himself to exhaustion to feed the people is that he gets something back from it. No farmer is going to go out and just work the fields and produce crops and and distribute those crops and not make ends meet. That doesn't happen. What's the point? Why are you saying this? Because we need to be getting fed ourselves so that we can feed others. You've got to be getting something to, do, to feed others. In the same way, a farmer has to be receiving income and money to ensure that he can continue to do what he's doing so that he can produce crops for others. Do you see the picture? A leader is somebody who produces things through his own studying and through his own teachings. Real quick, real quick, I'm sorry. Turn, look real quick with me if you would at verse... 24, last thing and I'm done. Verse 24, thank you all so much for having me. I've got two minutes. Look here, verse 24. And the servant of the Lord, This again, this is talking about leadership. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach and patient. The last thing is this. You must be a slave to Christ. You must be a servant. Now, when, when we say that in our society, most... People don't like that term because they think about slavery the way it was 175 years ago. But let me tell you the difference between slavery 175 years ago versus what we're talking about here. 175 years ago, you would have had a slave master who would have taken his slaves and he would have sent them out and he would have beat them and he would have earned income based on their work. But the master I serve and the master that you serve did the work for us and He took the beating for us. Do you see the difference? And that's why I'm proud today to stand in front of my brothers and say I'm a slave to Christ. And I'm proud of it. I didn't take my ear and put it up on a, a post and get an awe placed in it like the indentured servants of the day would. But listen, He sealed me with the Holy Spirit on that day of redemption. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank You. We praise You. We lift You up. Lord, I'm so thankful for these men. I'm so thankful for Brother Aaron and this church and the ministries of this church and all the others in here. Lord, as we look at Paul and Timothy and the relationship they had and the instructions that was given to young Timothy, Lord, we're thankful. And Lord, I pray that we can take those lessons and strive to instill those within our families. Thank you, Lord. Be with Brother Claude. Be with Brother Aaron. Be with the, the, the rest of this uh, conference and bless it, Lord. We thank you and we praise you. And it's in your son's holy and precious name we do pray. Amen.
0: Thank you again for joining us today on the EC Podcast. We pray that this message blessed you and encouraged you with the understanding of what true biblical leadership looks like. As always, we want to invite you, if you're not a part of a local church, to join us at 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings for worship and at 6.30 p.m. on Wednesdays for midweek teaching. If you're outside the area, we encourage you to find a Bible-believing, gospel-centered church
1: for fellowship and worship. Until next time, God bless.